This is the the first episode of our podcast. Okay, so so listeners, you, you don't know this, but we thought it was our podcast name was some shit, right? Like, oh, oh like 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 right, like yeah, like right now, like uh, Preston <laughs> said, Justin, can you get your mouth close to the microphone so everyone can hear you? And I'm leaning back and and being relaxed and thinking that I'm so cool, but I'm not really. You can lean back, just <laughs> pull it to your mouth if you do so. Okay, okay. <laughs> so what I was saying is that we had actually done one take. Uh, before and I had to like nix that because it was just not us and uh, we were trying to do these formal introductions and Preston was introducing himself and it was I'm, terribly dry it was bad it was really really bad and we we figured that if we couldn't stand to hear about each uh, each other in that manner that you probably also would not want to hear about us that way so right right um, the podcast is called Deep and SD it's about San Diego we live here in Estes. Preston's been here for his whole life, and I've been here for almost 20 years. And so you would think that at some point in all the time that we've been here that we have figured out, you know, what we like, what we love about SD, um, maybe a little bit of history, a little bit of inside information about what are the good places to go and what are the places eat. to see and eat. Eating is a huge thing for us. So, um you know, if you like food and if you love food as much as I do and I think Preston does, then this is going to be a good trip for you because, uh, you know, we're going to be eating a lot and talking about all the good things that we eat. So, Which which is what we did anyways, right? So, you know, you were my boss. You owned a restaurant downtown. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I worked for you um, as a graphic designer <laughs> and, and, you know, ended up doing a lot of other things. Um, because I, fi- I figured that if he could put together good text on like a menu, that that probably meant that he could work for me in other capacities. Right, so. right. Like uh, picking up Restaurant <laughs> Depot in a Mercedes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and after I left the restaurant, um, the restaurant closed, not because of me leaving, several years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was a hole that could never be filled again. So, right, right. Uh, so you know, I figured right. that it could only last another, you know, two, maybe right. three years after that. Eternal sadness. Um, it was pretty bad. We ended up, uh, not, I don't want to say reconnecting. It's not like we never really Reconnecting lost. was actually the word that <laughs> popped up in oh, my really? head. <laughs> well, you know, reconnecting, and I think reconnecting, I think probably has like a, a nice positive spin on it because... Uh, it means that you were connected before and maybe that connection was lost. But just like our friendship, I sort of feel like it's something where once you just come together, it's mm-hmm. like it's back to connected again, right? right? It's not like you have to piece it back together. It's not like you have to fix it. It just means the connection was lost, right? Which, you know, so again, uh, listeners, you don't really know this, but I have three kids. Mm-hmm. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So that obviously keeps me busy. Uh, Preston has three kids of his own as well. And so, you know, just like everyone else, like you, uh, you kind of come in and out of each other's lives, but the good ones are the ones where you end up never really losing that connection. So when you do reconnect, it means that everything is just as if it, you know, not one day had gone by. Right. So when we did reconnect in your words, um, we, we got together for dinner you know, and we would eat and I'm big in the food as you are. Mm-hmm. And we would, <laughs> these dinners would go for three hours, 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 right. hours of just, uh, talking about anything and everything. Right. Fatherhood. Um, yeah. Fatherhood, uh, food, um, music. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything, uh, you know, side hustles that we you know have going on right. side hustles that we would like to get going on. And it just seemed like the variety of subjects that we would cover um, might be of interest to other people, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, I think just the fact that uh, we really, I think we're really content with our lives. And Mm -hmm. so in that sense, I sort of feel like there's a lot of things that we are happy about and and things that we, you know, are happy to talk about. Mm -hmm. And there are things that are... I know, sort of positive aspects that not only do we share with each other, but, you know, maybe we could share it with our listeners as well. Sure. Life lessons that we've learned. Life lessons, basically a bunch of screw ups (laughs) that we have, we both gone through and, uh, and are still going through. Right. Um, because again, if you have, if you have children, I think that you realize that every day, this is, this is how I feel is that every day, I finish my day Uh and I keep telling myself that I have like a redo. 
yeah, I have a redo right, the next day. Right, I right. sort of feel like, you know, and, and the other, the other thing is that, so again, I, I have a six year old, that's my oldest. And I told myself for the first five years of her life, I kept thinking like, you know what? When I was younger, I never remembered anything prior to five years old. So, you know, I, she's not gonna remember anything. Like I could <laughs> screw up over and over and over again. And it's not going to make one damn difference because she's going to, she's just going to forget everything. But what I didn't realize and, and, and I think that this is something that that really rings true is that it's not just what they remember, but it's what they are used to feeling and used to seeing mm-hmm. um, and experiencing with you. You know, that that's what kind of creates the dynamic that you have with your children. Um, so if you are someone who is, you know, constantly like, you know, badgering them about being better or, mm-hmm. or following, you know, these rules or whatnot, they may not remember the specific instances, but they remember what it's like to be around someone who's like that. Well, yeah, and and that, you know, that shapes their personality too. I mean, if they're always, you know, paranoid that they're going to do something wrong or something that upsets, you know, the parent or whatever, it's like the, their personality really is is like the 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 building blocks of their personalities are like the first 5 years, I think. No, I I think it is and I and I don't know, it's um Parenting is a very humbling experience. Um, I think it's because not only is it humbling because you have to let go of your own ego and and realize that you are not you know the most important thing anymore, right? Mm. There's this little you know these these small children that that are paramount you mm. know, in terms of importance in your life. But I think it's also humbling because no matter how how well equipped you think that you are, and that could be. Because, you know, you felt like you had a great upbringing or maybe you've read all the books or you've talked to so many people and gotten, uh, you know, great advice that it just it's it's a case by case, day by day sort of uh, basis or situation. Right. So you go in there. I mean, I I feel like. I will, I'll talk to my wife like the night before. So I tell you, I always have these redos, right? So I'm like, okay, so at night we're going to like get together and we're going to strategize and we're going to make sure that we have like a plan that's going to work and we have this, these actions that we're going to take. And then you go, you go into war, right? The next day (laughs) with your kids. And, uh, and I think this is actually why in, in the military, they make you do the same exercises over and over and over again, Right. right? So that when you go into battle, you end up you know, just it's just it's just a, a habit or a reflex, right? right that you right, just right. do the same thing, no matter how many bombs are, right. you know, blowing up next to you. How many people are getting killed next to you? You just keep doing the same thing, right? Yes. You're like a robot. And I wish that I I had that sort of you know boot camp for tr- like parenting. parenting, right? Because <laughs> I don't have enough time to to to, to instill that in myself. So I right. so I strategize with my wife the night before, and then I go in. I wake up next morning. I'm like full of hope, right? And I think that I, I got this. Like I'm gonna be that perfect parent, or whatever I failed the day before, I'm gonna fix. And then you get into the situation, and they do like two or three things, and like by seven a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've already failed and right. I'm ready to have my strategizing, you know, like session with my wife, you know, at 10 o'clock, you know, later on that day. Right. So it's just, uh, it's just humbling because you, you think you got it and you just don't, you know, and, and sometimes I wonder, maybe you can answer this because I know you have, you know, experience that I don't have with, with kids and like and them growing up and whatnot. Um, but I sort of feel like when you have, like when I had just my, my first child, which is my daughter, I felt like, you know, I got this, like, like, oh, I'm, I'm such a great parent, right? right. Like I, like I got this, I, I'm cruising and, and I thought it was, I was good. Now, again, that might've been, uh, I might've been delusional about it because I only was experiencing her for the first couple of years, right? Before the second one came. Sure. So maybe every child is like pretty easy in the first few years, but then the second one came, which is my son. And, uh, and then I was sort of like, okay, I mean, this is harder and I, right. I really got to figure out how to multitask, but I, I I think like I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't before like I'm killing it. And now it's more like I think I'm doing fine. And then the third one comes along and this third right. one, it just like it just throws a wrench into things. Right. And at that point, I'm just sort of thinking like I'm drowning like so you, <laughs> you know, you, so every you, every other day. So you've got uh, is it because you, you thought, you know, you had the first one kind of down personality wise. And then the second one, you had something to compare that to or it was just like double duty. I think part of it is that you have to spread yourself so thin, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
it's just impossible to have the same interaction or, or number of interactions or duration of interaction right. with one child when you have two. And then that just gets spread, you know, or divided up, um, you know, one more time with three. And so I think that it's that. I think that, like, I consider myself to be a pretty patient person. And I think, you know, you've been around me to know I don't really, like, I don't blow my lid very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but these kids, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and. I think that whole saying that they say is, you know, kids will be kids, you know, it's, I, it's true. And, and the only thing I can do to ever try to keep myself sane is to try to remember, you know, like when I was a kid, like what I did, what I got away with, what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And I think it's those things that kind of put things into perspective, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm Chinese. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that like perfectionist Asian part that comes out. You know, I keep telling myself like, oh, you know, I was born here in, in the U.S. Like, you know, like I'm completely Americanized, but I think I can't escape the fact that I still have Asian upbringing. And so there's just like this little piece of me that always expects that the kids are like, they have to be perfectly behaved. Or yeah. They have to. And, you know, my wife, who I think that She's probably, if you want to talk about being sort of Americanized or, you know, whatever you would call like a more liberal upbringing than maybe what I had, you know, she's constantly trying to remind me that, you know, like they're just kids, right? They're just kids and they should be able to be kids. And you got to like give them some room to just kind of explore and figure out like themselves and testing boundaries and whatnot. But it's just... You know, there's like, there's like, the, there's like the, 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 the voice of reason or, or I'll just, yeah. So I'll tell, I'll say my, my wife has the voice of reason at times, but mm-hmm. you're going to have her on one end telling you something. And then on the other side, there's just reality, you know, yeah, you know, I, I think for one, the planning thing, you know, Mike, Mike Tyson has a quote and says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i guess i guess figuratively my my, my kids punch me in the face right. every day right yeah um <clears throat> so i i mean i you know i have a take on that too um i'm 40 years old and we've got three kids uh, my wife and i and her son who's my stepson he's 22 mm-hmm. um and i met him when he was eight and then we have my my daughter, who I had from a previous relationship. She's 17. Mm-hmm. And then we have a 10-year-old daughter together. Um, and in our relationship, we have the same type of... Um, I'm more of the structured one um, because that's how I grew up. Um, and it, it, I, I would say that it worked out well for me. I didn't go too much off the rails as a kid. I mean, it did end up in juvenile hall, and <laughs> and and you guys don't have a monitor or or like a TV in front of you, so you can't, can't actually see what Preston looks like. But right. I want you to remember that he actually said that I think I did. You say that you did. You turn out fairly normal. I th- I feel did like you use the word normal? I, where I'm at in life right now, I feel like just remember this, listeners, place. when you actually see what Preston looks like. Look, book by the cover. <laughs> Um, but my wife, who's also Asian, had a very strict upbringing compared to mine. Um, and in turn, she completely rebelled against her parents, which I get it. It's understandable. I mean, being under that tight of a grip. Um, so in turn, she gives the kids very loose um, rules. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I'd say I'm strict, but I expect more than I think I expect more than she does anyways. (laughs) Um, We don't, we don't really know what that, what that standard or expectation is, but it's just more. She's very much, you know, they're a kid, let them do what they want Mm -hmm. to do. You know, Mm -hmm. as long as they're not hurting, you know, themselves or each other, let them do stuff. But I'm very much like, you know, you need responsibility. Well, okay. So just to be jumping real quick. So, I mean, to, to clarify, I think, Kind of the difference between what you're talking about that Julie, your wife, mm-hmm. you know, that she's talking about and what my wife, Steph, talks about is, you know, let kids be kids. But in my perspective, that's okay when you're talking about a six-year-old right. trying to find their way. Right. If you're talking about a 22-year-old, right. there's no there's no exploration on the parent's dime anymore. There's no exploration or trying out boundaries because... You know, you're an adult, so sure. you, you should have you should have figured out what those boundaries are. So, 
so I mean, so I didn't mean to cut in, but you know, go on with that. I mean, that's to me, there's just a distinction between those two, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and so well, maybe that's why you have issue with that at times. Well, I, I did. Um, my stepson and I, we butt heads a lot when he was younger. Um, but the last several years have actually been fantastic with us. Um, you know, normal teenage stuff, stuff that I went through, that I went through. And, you know, when you're talking about trying to remember when you were a kid, like he was doing stuff that was not as bad as stuff that I was doing as a kid. And so I would have to constantly remind myself, like, where was I when I was his age? Um, you know, I was getting bailed out of juvenile hall from my parents. I was, you know, doing a whole lot of stuff, you know, that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, but you know, I think, I think that the reason why <clears throat> parents are more concerned nowadays about their kids going off the rails mm. is because, I don't know, in general, maybe I would say it's a more dangerous society now, right? It's, it's, it, and dangerous mm. meaning that it's just so much easier to try to, to, to kind of, I don't know. That's, that's how I feel. Like it, it kind of reminds me of this. So I was reading something the other day or, or maybe I saw it on Instagram. It was talking about how, like, how people always say, Oh, you know, like I had this much candy when I was a kid and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Right. But then this, whatever I, I came across was talking about how, you know, when things were sweetened back in the like sixties, it was mm -hmm. all natural stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like molasses and like, brown sugar or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever they used. Whereas now it's like all this like high fructose syrup mm -hmm. and like, mm -hmm. you know, corn, whatever, and not, you know, and just talking about how like, it's not apples to apples. Right. So you can't actually say, okay, well, if they ate candy back then, mm. it's the same as if they ate the same candy now. Right. And so are you more concerned because, you know, even though you did quote unquote, like worse things mm -hmm. than, than Devin did, you know, when you were his age, Maybe he's doing less, but the consequences or the end result might be worse. I don't know. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, po possibly. I think the big difference between my generation, I suppose, and his generation is the biggest difference. I think access to the internet. Well, but that's everything, right? That's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's like, literally you know, like, everything. Yeah, I mean, you, you have whatever, you know, like teenagers who just go missing because they mm -hmm. met someone mm -hmm. and they just followed that sure. you know whatever sure. so yeah i i i think that's probably one of my biggest concerns with the kids growing up now is just access to the internet i mean you can literally get anything good or bad you know off of the internet um i don't know it's a tough one the, the, the internet's a tough one to navigate um, well it, it kind of <clears throat> like I had this conversation with my brother recently. Um, he has a daughter who is nine months older than my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so he was talking about, um, like one thing he was talking about is that he wanted to have a conversation with her about racism. Mm -hmm. Right. And this was actually last year. So she was only six years old at the time. And I mean, when he told me that, I mean, you'd have to know my brother to know like uh, how conservative he is and, and whatnot. And so it kind of took me aback you know, like why he would want to have this kind of a conversation with his, his daughter so young. And mm. so his explanation was that he felt like she was, you know, he wanted to sort of be preemptive with, you know, bringing up the topic so that she didn't have any sort of misunderstanding about how it went or, or, or that she accidentally would say the wrong thing and then end up getting labeled as being racist or whatnot. And I, you know, I thought that was kind of ludicrous because I'm, you know, who's going to label a six year old as racist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like six year olds say things all the time that are so inappropriate mm -hmm. or, you know, and are so offensive. Um, but anyway, so, you know, so what I took from that conversation is that he wanted to prepare her for society because, you know, again, conversations about, you know, race and, and whatnot, like it's, you know, it's big and important right now. But, you know, to go back to your point, like uh, the Internet and whatnot. And so, you know, my brother wants to prepare his his kids for this sort of modern world. Right. The issues that come up in this modern world. Right. And for me, I kind of go running in the other direction, which is that I want my kids to stay innocent and not be tainted by all these issues and these these subject matters that you know i think are going to plague them later on that they're going to have to deal with but right. you know i want them to not have to deal with that as long as possible so i will not have conversations with about race or sex or all that stuff and it's not like i'm going to try to hide it from them but 
for sure, like not as a six year old or a seven year old or yeah. even an eight year old. Um, you know, like, you know, when my, when my kids pick shows to watch, I don't, I don't really tell them, you know, like what they have to watch, mm. but I kind of pay attention to like what their choices are and I'm happier and I'm more, I'm more content when I see that they are picking things that to me are like more timeless um, mm. because I sort of feel like, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's almost like I know they live in, in this modern world. Right. But at the same time, I don't want them to pick up any of the bad influences, you know, which, you know, you can't protect them you know, completely. Right. Cause they go to school and they do whatnot. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I guess I just want to keep them timeless, like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> timeless, like like a show called, you know, like Daniel Tiger. Have you ever right. heard that? Yeah, yeah, like Daniel Tiger, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a tiger, and Mr. Like, Rogers. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's ba- you know, it was created by Mr. Rogers, yeah, right? Yeah. So you know, Mr. Rogers. I mean, there's she watches this other show called Pinkalicious. Uh-huh. You know, which is basically like this sister and her brother and they just go out and they play there's no cell phones in there they're not talking about the internet they're not you know they just go out and play as if like you would have no idea this could have been the 80s yeah. could have been the 50s it you know you have no idea yeah and so anyways i mean this i may come across as overprotective i don't know you know but that's just kind of like my stance because all these things you're gonna have to deal with at some point but you know, go ahead Sorry. no but i mean i just i just don't see the point at this kids age. kids don't see race period they don't care all they care is if you're nice, if you share your truck to play with, if you, you know, if you're mean, if you get pushed down the slide, kids don't, kids don't pay attention to it. That I, okay. So that I completely agree with, um, you know, even for Charlotte, right? So Charlotte again is like my daughter, she's six year old. So she's the oldest. She's going to be in first grade this, this fall. And she doesn't see race. I mean, she sees color of skin, mm-hmm. right? So she'll like, she'll refer to, you know, black people as like, oh, they have brown skin, mm-hmm. you know, or dark, things mm-hmm. like that. There's no positive or negative connotation at all. It's mm-hmm. literally just like a descriptor, it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I will, but I will say this, she does refer to people as, and it's usually not boys, but girls as like being pretty mm-hmm. or not pretty, mm-hmm. right? So what I don't want, and, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to, you know, like what the media feeds to the general public about what's considered to be beautiful, not beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Like certain physical characteristics and whatnot. And so I just, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a subject that I haven't figured out how I want to deal with her. I mean, <laughs> I have, I don't know what you think about this because I think that, um, in certain ways you're kind of more conservative than I am. Mm. But um, like, I, I don't like my kids to use the word fat mm. um, because I have, I think that it has, it's it at this point right now is a very, very derogatory, derogatory term. Do you prefer right. Husky or you have a, we you just have a preference? Don't even talk about it. Just <laughs> weights off the table. All I say is don't say fat. <laughs> Rotund. <laughs> we just- obese obese i mean that's fat to the extreme exactly right right. but i just i don't know i just uh i just feel like if the kids get used to using terms that are derogatory it just opens up the door to them feeling the the freedom or the ability to just kind of uh i would say recklessly uh categorizing people i don't i don't like that personally Hmm. um and you know, this is again, this is a generation, generational thing, right? So mm-hmm. you're 40, I'm 50. Um, so you would think that I should be even more conservative than what you would, and that, that I might even scoff at like these kinds of, you know, if you want to call it new parenting, because it's kind of like a new parenting thing, right? Like never using like any of these like negative terms, right? Mm. Or whatnot. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just sort of feel like you're kind of a victim, not a victim. I take that back, not a victim. You are. You are at the mercy of like your, your, your upbringing, right? In terms of like what you think is okay and not okay. What's socially acceptable, not socially acceptable and whatnot, right? And so I kind of feel like in my family, right? Um, my parents, you know, again, kind of like typical Asian, you know, very judgmental. Um, I'm not going to talk about like what necessarily their, <laughs> their views on race are, but, uh, but, they for sure had no problem like, you know, if my brother and I came home and we like had put on a little weight and like calling us fat, my dad actually said like, you're morbidly obese, which (laughs) I was never morbidly obese, but you know, like they just have no problem saying that. And, uh, and so I think that if you grow up in a, in a family like that, where people are just throwing these terms around, like, you know, like they're nothing, Mm. you get used to that. And then you think it's okay to just categorize people like that. Right. And, um, I don't know. I I just, 
like uh, even if you and I are, were okay with that, yeah. or even if even if we're still okay being that way, I just don't want my kids to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I can make them better than I am myself mm-hmm. and I and I can, you know, influence them in a way that maybe I wasn't influenced, then that's what I'm going to do. I think that I, I get the the goal mm-hmm. and the sentiment that you're going for. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you should call somebody fat in a derogatory way you know, is there a complimentary way to call someone fat no but that's phat no but i mean but i mean would you call santa jolly i mean <laughs> well because I, I i'm very much about you know like let's use words and be very descriptive about what we're like precise about what we're trying to say and i i wouldn't want to like restrict a word out of vocabulary you know like um for instance, like if if the kids were talking about a rotund cat, would it be okay to call the the fat cat well, cat fat? Okay, no, no. So I, I I get what you're saying, and I and I and I understand that point. But let me give you an example. So in our generation, it would be okay to call someone retarded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you let your daughter? Would you let Paige call someone retarded? So that's that's something that. Julie and I have been trying to... So your answer would be yes? No, no. But that's something that we try to like remind ourselves, you know, in in normal conversation. Okay, so let me ask you this. Why is that not a word that's okay to say, even though in our generation it was, but then fat is different than that? Um, I think that there are... the, The term has been redefined... So now you would say mentally disabled, disabled. Right. But the thing is, but I guess this to me, this is what gets to the root of the problem, which is that you want to say things that you think are articulate and accurate, Mm -hmm. right? Descriptors Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. things. That's why you're saying it's okay to call a cat fat. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, why, why can we not call someone retarded versus mentally disabled, even though they mean you know, the same exact thing. And I'll tell you, it's because people start to use retarded or fat as ways to describe a whole group of people that, how do I say this, that it's just not a description anymore. It's like a characterization of mm-hmm. someone in a, mm-hmm. in a way that almost puts them into a group mm-hmm. that is ridiculed, right? That is just fat, ostracized. Fat yeah, fat people or same thing. Retard. I mean, so I mean, on this podcast, I probably should not even be saying retarded. I've probably said it thirty times. We're right going to come out of this podcast. <laughs> people absolutely hating us. For me in particular. Um. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, but I mean, we we we're we're here to talk about right, things, right? right, right. And and we're not going to always say things in like the perfect way. But hopefully, what the listeners get from it is, you know, not the words that we used, mm-hmm. but what the discussion was about, right? Like what was the point of why we use these words or why we had to reiterate these words that, you know, are Mm. are, are highly, highly frowned upon, you know, in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So what, I mean, and I'm genuinely curious, what do you, is there an alternative word to fat that you use in your household or that you? I mean, honestly, like, so you asked me that question, I'm trying to think, what do we do in, the, in those situations? Um, I, I, I can't tell you like off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure we talk about those kinds of things. Like, right. like for example, uh, so, so we used to, if the kids were eating too many sweets, right. Mm-hmm. And we would tell them like, you know, you don't want to eat a lot of sugar. We used to say, you know, that it was kind of, uh, two reasons, right. That you wouldn't want to eat, eat that much sugar. Right. One was that, uh, it would make you sick. Mm-hmm. And, and the other one we would say like, you know, you might have a tummy like Santa Claus, mm. right? And then my wife and I started talking about that. I was like, even though we're not using the word fat, are we not still doing the same thing? Which is basically saying, we think that it's a bad thing if someone has a tummy like Santa Claus, right? So mm. if the kids go out and they see someone at the mall that is as big as a picture that they saw of Santa Claus, mm. then they're automatically thinking, well, that's a bad thing because mommy and daddy told us we should not do the things that are going to get us to that point. Mm. So then we just, now we just basically say like, you know, we, 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 now we've shifted it to cavities, you know, Mm -hmm. and also 
be, you know, feeling sick, mm. you know, which is true, mm. right? I mean, they do feel sick sometimes. But anyway, so so that's an example of us shifting. And I mean, that doesn't really exactly answer your question about, you know, what word do we use now? But it shows you the shift in like, you know, we try to use this as like a, you know, way to, to you know, um, kind of like be a detractor from the kids, you know, like, you know, sugar intake and whatnot. But, you know, now how we even had to like, sh- you know, change the way that we rationalized it because we were, you know, basically kind of feeding into the whole fat thing without actually saying fat. So I don't know what the answer is. To, you know, what do we use? I mean, I'm sure that it's probably come up or <laughs> maybe because we make such a big deal about telling them not to use the word fat that they stop talking about those things completely. I, yeah, it I think, could be. I think it's in- – so again, the, the sentiment I, I agree with that we shouldn't, you know, call people names, right? Um, fat. Fat, fat right. <laughs> But I, I find it interesting because I know that you work out and your wife works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously you're trying to keep the fat at bay. Right. Um, and so I see, you know, using other people as an example. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself in there. I'm, I'm no slim, slim man. Um, I've got some extra weight. I know, listeners, you're waiting to see, actually see a picture or a video of Preston and that will come in upcoming episodes so just stay tuned right um so i i kind of see it as a a cautionary tale like don't eat a lot of candy you might not like that fat guy um okay take the fat guy out no 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 you might end up like this guy i i I get it i it's like the word in itself or even the meaning of that word Mm -hmm. i'm okay with i mean it's a fact right Mm -hmm. a fact like it's it's a word and as a definition and that definition holds true in certain examples in life, right? I just think that the problem is that those kinds of words mm-hmm. have been utilized in as a um, as like a weapon, mm. you know, kind of um, against certain groups of people, right? And I just don't like I don't I don't like seeing it like I don't like seeing it used like that. Mm. Um, and it, it may be true. I mean, it's just like if you if. I mean, I, I don't know how our first episode ended up like going into these sort of uh, subject matters, but it's like, it's like the same thing if you want to talk about, uh, you know, racism and stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. I think you and I probably talked about this before. So, you know, uh, racial profiling, things like that. And again, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert on this, so I'm sure that someone's going to, you know, call me out on some, you know, something that I'm going to say that's wrong, mm-hmm. but, you know. The way I see it is that, you know, racial profiling, even if you want to call like racism, like, you know, it it's based on stereotypes. Right. And I mean, certain aspects of it and stereotypes are can be true and they can be accurate. Right. And they could there could be statistics that actually back up why these stereotypes might hold true. Mm. But these stereotypes are dangerous. Right. And that's how that's how I feel it. Mm. And I think that that that. You know, even though it might be a valid point, the way that it's utilized and the way that it kind of uh, influences the way the general public feels about things, mm. you know, it can hinder progress. It can it can just, you know, cause a lack of kind of like harmony and, and whatnot. And so I'm just bringing this up to say that there are examples of things where things are true mm. and where things are accurate and labels are, you know, like, again, you know, they're valid, mm-hmm. but they're still not good. They're still not good to be used. They're still not good to be, to be, uh, taught or to be <laughs> reinforced. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we, as parents, and because, you know, we're kind of like on this subject matter of parenting right now. And, you know, it's kind of like veering off in different directions. But, you know, we as parents, I think, have the responsibility to try to raise our kids to be people who are going to make society better. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. And and I mean, I'm sure there's a whole list of things that I probably do or influence my children with that other people would say, like, oh, that's garbage. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's how this is how I feel about this issue. Well, that's that's kind of the beauty of, you know, individualism and, and parenting in, in general. You know, you get to raise your kid how you mm-hmm. you want and. And no one else can do that, you know. Unless well, I mean, you do realize that Paige can't use the word fat anymore, right? No. Well, <laughs> it's, it's been stricken, especially from the iPad. 
<laughs> it's it's been deleted from every right. book that she owns. That's right. Oh, automatically. <laughs> I don't do anything. It's just there's a, a blank space right there. Um and I and that's what, you know, that's what makes the world so great is ever you know, diverse personalities. Um, you know, even different standards. I mean, if everyone was held at the same standard, you know, a buddy of mine the other day was talking about um was talking we were talking about music and he was saying yeah uh, but but you know he does all these drugs and shit and i'm like yeah but if we listen to music that where no one did drugs like all the music would suck you know <laughs> i know yeah that's so, true i mean it's kind of like i mean it's i, I guess it's to each their own right i mean mm-hmm. i mean like this this podcast this conversation that we're having right now and i mean it's not it's not about me telling you the way that you should do things and you're not telling me the way that I should. I think it's we are sharing with each other how we do things mm. and finding, you know, what common ground we do have in those things. But also, you know, if there are differences in it, you know, at least the way I, I, I see our conversations are ones where you tell me how you feel about some subject matter that either you brought up or I brought up. And sometimes I'm I'm. I'm hoping or I'm I'm looking to see if there's some compelling reason that I should change my stance on something. Yeah, right? and, and I think that's I think in general that's that's the goal of of talking is well is, our, our goal. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say not a, not everyone sees it that way. I mean, there are so many people right that are they're so blindly opinionated about things that. They are not open to it, right? To, that, uh, to, yeah. To, well, to I mean, that. that should be the goal of should, conversation, yeah. discourse. Of course. I, okay. For instance, you and I, we're <laughs> we're almost like polar opposites. Um, and 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 listeners, again, when you see the picture of Preston <laughs> and you see the picture of me, I think you're going to realize right. what we're talking about. Yes. Here. Yes. You are a 50 year old Asian man with <laughs> with used to have a Justin Bieber haircut. Yes. For a long yes, time. Yes. It's looking much better. We'll recently. call that the heyday. <laughs> um, and we grew up in completely different um, situa- family situations. Um, I mean, we both had our have our original parents. Mm, yes. I mean, we're fortunate for that. Um, but you know, both your parents were doctors, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was a UPS driver. My mom was a hair hairdresser, mm-hmm. um, you know, different parts of town we grew up in. I mean, I mean, just completely different. Um, uh, you're 10 years older than me, um, but you have kids that are considerably <laughs> younger than mine. That's a different story in podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, and we have we have a lot of the same views, but we have many many differences. Um, and I think that the fact that we can come together and 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 bond on so many things, um, but also discuss our differences and and not be at each other's throats about it. But I think I think that that's that's kind of the point, though, right? Is that <clears throat> we have these differences in opinion, but we don't go into the conversations wanting to change each other's minds, Mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, I obviously think that whatever stance I have on something is, you know, a a good stance to take Mm -hmm. or a good idea or a good perspective on things. Otherwise I wouldn't take that perspective. Right. 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 But when I go into the conversation, um, you know, I care about you as a friend and, and I want the best for you, but, doesn't really matter to me really Mm -hmm. whether or not you you end up agreeing with me or being on my side or anything like that i mean i really do and and i think that's what's kind of unique about our friendship is that we respect each other but at the same time um you know we are completely okay with not necessarily being on the same page about everything right Mm -hmm. and i think that you know people they view friendships in different ways right some people want you know, someone who is, is almost like a carbon copy of themselves because, you know, that's how they can get along with that, that person. Because I think that some people, you know, really, really have a hard time with being around people who don't agree with them. Yeah, you end up in a, you, my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday, I think. You end up being in an in an echo chamber and yeah. you don't ever learn anything. You don't right. grow. Right. And, and, and like I said, I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like I'm guilty of a lot of people thinking that I am really hard to have my mind changed by others. And I think that's true. But the reason it's true is because 
I'm pretty analytical. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I spent a lot of time, you know, sort of introspective and whatnot, right? And so, and you know, you've known me for years now, so I think you probably know that to be true. Um, but the point of, of that I'm making is that because I spend so much time thinking about things, usually by the time I come to a conclusion, it's pretty well thought out. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty analytical, I'm pretty logical and rational. So I think that, you know, when I come to a decision about something, I've pretty much weighed everything out. I've looked at a lot of different kinds of perspectives. And so I'm pretty set in that decision. But with that said, my actual perspective on listening to others give me feedback, uh, I'm definitely open to it, right? So some people, I think that, that they think that if you don't change your mind uh, by, you know, from influence uh, from others that that means that you're someone who is stubborn and stuck in their ways but it's not that it's i really really want someone to change my mind but it's just that i'm so entrenched in it because i spent so much time coming to that decision that it's really hard for someone to to move me off of that off that position but when you and i talk about things you know especially to my friends or people that i encounter that i really do you know value their judgment and their perspective and i think they have a good head on their shoulders like Sometimes I'm really, really wanting someone to change my mind, mm. you know, like I, like I'm seeking that. So I'm the same way um, as far as being analytical and, and, and sometimes I think a little bit too much. I get a little bit too inside my head um, where I, I really feel like I've, I've fleshed out the, the subject and I've kind of analyzed it from all sides and I'm pretty, pretty resolved with what I've got, you know, going on. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely open to hearing other people's perspectives. Um, but if you're going to come at me with something, you better be able to back, back it up. I mean, because I, it's like, don't just throw out some, you know, we don't say fat in my house. It's like, <laughs> I want to know why. I seek to understand. Does that make sense? We don't <laughs> use the word fat because I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> and so I take it personally we have every no time the word is in the house. <laughs> They're all broken. <laughs> There's a very very specific reason why we don't use that word in our house. <laughs> so I, you get my you yeah, get my point though. It's like it. if you you know if you tell me something, you're gonna change my mind, then then come at me with some facts and back it up. I don't just want your personal nuanced whatever. Like I I want to understand, and and if it makes sense to me, you might change my mind. Well, and and to be clear, like uh, listeners, I I want you to to know that I don't. You know, Preston's not Preston's not saying that you have to have like uh, you know scientific information and and you know like research to back this up. I think what he's trying to say is that don't just haphazardly throw out opinions about things without at least some reasoning. Like maybe you were brought up that way, or maybe you had some life experience that influenced you mm. to have that opinion. But don't you know? I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Sure. But but, but everyone's just like assholes. Everyone's got one. <laughs> right. So just don't come to Preston <laughs> and not have some some sort of like, you know, s- substance, you know, behind your opinion. At the same time, knowing what I know now about the FAT word, I would not go to your house. I would consciously try to not use this word in your house around your kids. Um, it might slip out. And, uh, you know, that's that's not a, a malicious thing. It's a... Oh, you know, I'm sure that that word is probably used by them and around them, you know, everywhere outside of my presence. I'm, I'm just saying, but I have enough respect for you to where now that I know this, even though I don't care, and I'll probably call a dog fat on the way home or some guy that's sitting at a red light on his phone. But yes, in your presence, at, anyway, not in your presence, but in your home... And in my kid's presence. Exactly. Then I will make an attempt to refrain from using the word. You know, it's it's funny how uh, how once you become a parent, things that you never even gave any thought to, right? Mm-hmm. Like you never put any thought into even coming up with an opinion about things, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just, I don't know, they just didn't really matter that much. Um, but when you have kids... It's like you start to reassess so many different things and you start to feel the need to have opinions about things, right? Things that you never really thought about. You're like, it doesn't really matter to me, mm. you know, about this or that or whatnot. But suddenly when you're the one that's in charge of, of directing them and, and, and just, just 
helping them, you know, like, like someone was telling me that, that, you know, good parenting is one where you're not trying to drive the car. You're just basically trying to be bumpers on the car Mm -hmm. to make sure that they just don't get hurt in the process of sort of finding themselves. And that's true. But when they are really, really young, they really do need guidance. I think you would agree with me about this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at that point, it's not really about letting them have their own opinion. I mean, because, you know, you have to create the foundation for them. And so because it's important for you to create that good foundation for them, you really start to have to sit down and be like, okay, really, how do I feel about this and that and mm-hmm. whatnot? Because you have to be the one to lay it out for them, right? Well, kids, you know, kids are innocent. Kids are um, also mirrors, you know, of us. Um, and you, you see that. You see that. In, That's why my kids are so perfectly mannered and right, charming. Right, exactly. Groomed. <laughs> cultured. I mean, but, you know, but you see it. I mean, if you go to your kid's classroom and you see this kid that's that's talking back, who's a mess, who's just like problems. Why are you talking about Charlotte again? Um, I, <laughs> You I you just gave me this wink like uh, I'm talking about your kid. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Um, but you know. But I'm okay. So she might you know and give some grief to you. We call it lip, uh, right? But but when you observe her around her friends at school and that, I mean, is she pretty? She's less a terror, right? So you know, but it's the kids who don't care who they're around, whatever setting it is. Like I'm sure they're not terrors, you know, in the store, uh, the department store, and you know, I mean, I'm sure they're pretty well behaved kids. Are we talking about my kids? Yes, okay, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but you can tell it's like this house is chaotic. Their parents are probably assholes, or they mm-hmm. talk to them wrong, or whatever, right? Um, and so, you know, kids are little mirrors of, of you and they soak up everything. They're just sponges. Well, that's why, um, you know, again, my wife, she'll send me like, you know, throughout the day, like these random things from Instagram about mm-hmm. parenting. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and one, you know, and some of them, like they just go in one ear and they go out the other, but a lot of them actually stick. Mm-hmm. And so one of them was talking about how, you know, like the best parenting is just how you are. Right, yeah. like how you are, because you can say everything that you want to say. You could tell them to do whatever, but if they don't see it, mm. the modeling, right, mm. that they, that it just doesn't really stick, right. But when they see it day in day out, that you're a generous person, yeah. or that you are a considerate person. Or if you not. keep your word, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. Um, you know, we, you know, my in my house with my kids. You know, we, we make this big deal about promises, mm-hmm. right? Like if you make a promise, like you have to keep your promise, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we've all done a pretty good job of it. You know, I, I, um, and I, so that's, that's a big thing for me. Like if I tell my daughter, like we're going to do something and we don't do it, you know, I better have a damn good reason. And I like, have, like doing the podcast. Like, I mean, literally anything. If we're, you know, if I say we're going to go roller skating and we don't, like, I I better have a good reason. Like, and, and I'm going to make it up to her. Um, because I know that there are like very few things that kids really like look forward to. Um, and, you know, doing something like that, especially spending time with, with your parents when you're little, you know, it's like everything. Um, and then if that, you know, it gets taken away. You're like crushed. I mean, I remember being crushed as a kid just because I had home some hope dashed or something, not necessarily like something my parents promised, but, um, you know, your whole world collapses cause you didn't get X, you know? Um, also I think what's super important to kids is to, um, being able to apologize, even like a, like teaching kids to apologize when they're wrong, but more than just teaching them, but showing them that. So like I've twice, I've falsely accused Paige of doing something. I was pretty mad about it. Um, and obviously she didn't do it. And so she was like super upset, which we all are. If you're ever accused of doing something, especially something serious that you didn't do, like that's super hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like... Once I figured it out, I went back and I really apologized to her. In fact, I even woke her up one time because I realized later and I apologized to her. And she's like, oh, it's okay, dad. You know, but it's like, it's not, though. You know, and I want you to know that even though I'm an authority figure, like I'm not above screwing up and then apologizing for it and asking for forgiveness. Well, I think I think the other thing, the other benefit of that, I mean, 
you know, which I'm sure was not a motivator at all when you were apologizing, but it's that it gives you credibility, right? Mm. Because the more that she realizes that you don't cut yourself slack mm. and that you hold yourself to the same standard and that you hold yourself accountable, then she realizes, okay, yeah, then he really, you know, he walks the walk. Mm. So therefore I need to, I need to take it seriously when he says that, you know, mm. as opposed to all the times if you act like a hypocrite, right. And you right. Like make her apologize, but then you do things and you just, you know, and you let it go, then, then I think she learns the wrong lesson. So I think, I think that's true, but you know, especially again, if I want to talk about it, coming from Asian culture, you know, like parents never apologize right. to their kids. Right. And, and because I think that that's almost like seen as a, as a show of weakness. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can count on one hand the number of times my dad has apologized to me, mm-hmm. you know, and usually it's only been when it's like, <laughs> whatever he's done is like egregious, right. Yeah. Like just ridiculous. And even when he does it, he has to remind me that his dad never did it for him, mm. you know, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's, and I, I do the same thing with my kids. Like I have no problem apologizing to them, but I also know that as a side note, like, you know, like there's this whole thing called like gentle parenting, you know, which is like what my, my wife kind of like, you know, wants us to do and follow. And a lot of these things make sense to me. I mean, sometimes in practical application, you know, it just doesn't seem to fit the moments always, but you know, so one of them is that, you know, you don't like, like, here's one. Right. So it kind of ties into like the apologies and whether or not you like you, you, you know, you push your kids to apologize or like one thing is, so if I'm, if I take my son Jax, right. So he's the shy one. He's the four year old. If I take him to school and every morning his teacher will say to him, hi, Jax, good morning. And, uh, and he's kind of shy. So he just really won't say anything. Right. And I always say to him, like, Jax, you know, like, you know, Miss, Mrs. Dawson, she said hi to you. Like, you know, say hi. And then he'll turn around and say hi, sort of shyly. And I, you know, I'll tell my wife that. And my wife, you know, it used to be that she would kind of give me a hard time. So there, there wasn't as much reasoning, but before it used to be, Justin, you're outgoing. You can't always expect, you know, Jax to be outgoing and you shouldn't mm-hmm. push him so hard. So it's almost like a protective, like, you know, mother lion, like that kind of thing. But now it's more of a, you know, we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't push things on our kids to say things. You know, sorry sometimes falls into that, but it's like forcing them to say things that don't come, you know, from a genuine place, Mm -hmm. you know, but just doing it as a, like a habit, you Mm -hmm. know, almost like when someone says like, hey, how are you doing? And then someone says, and everyone says like, I'm good. You know, how are you? Like, I'm good. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not good. You know, but they just say mm-hmm. the same thing every time, right? Cordial. And yeah, so whether or not something should mean something, you know. So my wife and I always have these 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 conversations about like, you know, me, I'll say things like, well, it's just good manners. If someone says hi to you, you say hi back to them. You know, like why why should I wait until Jax feels like he really wants to or he's very motivated to say hi? You know, like why can't I just say when someone says hi to you, you have to say hi back. But the point that she made to me is that a lot of these things that we learn about things when we're younger or we're forced to do things a certain way or learn to do things a certain way, that it really changes the way that we act as adults later on. Like, for example, if you are someone who, um, like, for, you know, so we tell our kids, right, I take uh, Jax to the park and if some kid comes up and wants to play with his toy, my autom- automatic reaction is, Jax, why don't you share your toy? Right. Mm. And then you'll it almost like push him like you have to do that. Not if you feel like it or you want to do it, go do it right now. So anyway, so if he does that, then he gets into the habit of thinking that when someone asks for something, he has to say yes. So later on in life, that could make him out to be a people pleaser. Right. Because when someone asks for something, he has to do it. He doesn't stand up for himself. Not I don't mean stand up like stand up to a bully. I mean, stand up meaning that and I think, you know, this. You th- I think you know this as a, as a, um, well, I'm really, I was far away for a just, while. Just pull it towards you. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, one thing that, uh, that I think you realize and I've realized now 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. life and you 40 years of life is that it's not always in your best interest to be the giving, considerate, flexible, you know, I'll take the hit that kind of person, right? Like you can be a good, nice, considered person and still have to think about yourself at times. And there are times, critical times in your life where if you don't do that for yourself, it can really negatively impact you. And so I think my point is this is that when you're a kid, some of the things that you learn, even like they seem insignificant, they're like, oh, that happens on the playground. Like, well, Mm. how's that going to impact them later on? Mm. It does because it just teaches you how do you interact with people, right? Yeah, I, yeah. 
So I I understand what you're you're talking about there. I kind of wish we got on this subject a little earlier so we could fully flush it out. <laughs> well, we can, up, yeah, we're up against the clock right yeah, now. Yeah, we. I mean, we can we can make a reminder for ourselves and write it down and, sure. and continue from here. But sure. um, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think so. With my kids, I you know I would teach them. You you look someone in the eye when you meet them. You look someone in the eye and you shake their hand um, because it it shows respect. And you, you it shows that you're giving them your attention, um, and you're, you know, you're, um, you're present in the moment, and you're acknowledging them. Um, and I think, you know, in at the same time that um, builds confidence. I think that you carry that on through life. Um, and so I'm trying to think of, you know, in a professional setting, I mean, you do the same thing. You cannot go into um, a business meeting with new clients and you're staring at your shoes and you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I try to, to project later in life how these, these things will affect you. Um, and so uh, I think that, that a lot of things can go both ways. You can see kind of both perspectives. That's true. That's true. I mean, the, the problem though with parenting, right, is that you, you can weigh all these things out, but if you want to teach your kid, you just, you're picking one way pretty much, especially when they're younger, right? Like you yeah. can't say, well, you know, in this kind of situation, it's slightly different. So do it this way and that way. They're the nuances. You, you're not teaching a six year old that, right? So, yeah. you know, and so just to wrap it up real quick, I want to give you one more example. Um, so I don't forget it. It's, it's a good one, which is that whenever I take my kids out, uh, especially if it's like my, my friend, like close friends, um, or relatives that maybe they don't know or they're not familiar with, but I, I'm, I know them and I feel comfortable with them. I'll always say, Hey guys, you know, go give like, like if you came in, I'd say, Hey, give Preston a hug. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes kids don't really, you know, they're not comfortable mm-hmm. with that. And I'll just be like, Oh, just give, give, give them a hug, you know? And like, push and push and push because I want, I think that the things is I want to create like a connection mm-hmm. between you two, mm-hmm. but also I want you to feel special that my kids are going to hug you. Right? right. But Steph was pointing out that again, this is part of like a gentle parenting, like that whole like, you know, realm of like, you know, uh, perspective, but talking about how everyone has like this natural ability to kind of, um, not sense danger, but just, have this feeling about like creating a safe space and Mm. personal space and whatnot. And everyone, you know, like if you, if you take that away or you, or you minimize how important that is for someone to feel something like that, then later on in life, you know, they can put themselves into situations where that natural instinct that usually protects them from certain things is just completely gone because you like squashed it by forcing them over and over and over again to say, Hey, it's okay. You don't feel comfortable in the situation, but it's okay for you to be in the situation. So, you know, that, 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 that's another example, which again, I mean, I never really put much thought into, okay, how all these things that seem pretty minor and basic, Mm -hmm. like how they could have an impact when you put it into an adult situation right because you're always like oh well it's just a kid right you know but i mean would i ever force steph to go hug someone <laughs> like, right and if she right, said if right. she showed hesitation would i say steph come on go give him a hug you right. know like no i'd drop it right? um um with kids i'm a fan of the fist bump you know <laughs> i think that's that's age appropriate it is it is i mean i guess i just that i guess that maybe that's old school of me you know to to think like hugs and you know after covid or whatever maybe tugs are like you know like frowned upon or whatnot yeah. um but i just these, these sort of signs of affection, yeah. you know, I thought, you know, we're good. and I think there's a cutoff age. I think, you know, two years old, you know, kids are hugging everybody anyways. Oh, you mean so yeah. up to two you can hug, but I, after two I you like, don't? I feel like something like that. Like, I mean, even when you drop them off at school, you know, kindergarten, the kids run up and hug each other. You know, I mean, that's true. <laughs> I feel that's like true. hugs is kind of just, the kids are very affectionate at that age anyways. Okay, but, but yes, it, to their friends. But then what do you do in these situations where they're around, quote unquote, strangers to them, right. but you're comfortable with them? Right. Then do you do you just still just kind of let it go? Or, or let's say, uh, let's, let's change it a little bit. Let's say that the, the adult says, oh, give me a hug. So you're going to tell, you know, and let's say your son like, or like Jack shows some hesitation. Would I, would I be like, oh, just just no. give him a hug. I or, mean, you know, no. or, would you, or would you be like, you know, so Steph said the appropriate thing or the, the best thing to say is, oh, he's, he's a little shy today. You can, yeah, that's totally, yeah. You know? um, that's totally. Well, I mean, I think a good response would be back off. That's totally, I mean, that's totally plausible. Um, uh, totally acceptable. Um, I think that if you're introducing your kid to someone you know, then you're probably comfortable with that person already 
So it's not really like, but the, but the child's is. not, right. the child's not right. So that's, that's kind yeah. of the point I is, guess, but if, they have to trust you too, because you're the parent, right? And so you wouldn't bring your child around somebody that, you know, would do them harm. Well, you do hear about you know, I mean, like I, family I, members yeah, molesting know, others and stuff like that. We have to, uh, okay. We have to wrap this up. Oh yeah, up. we definitely do. Real quick. Can we, we had some sandwiches today from Poma's. Yes. It's a deli in Ocean Beach. Yes, we did. Uh, you're going to find in this podcast that we end up eating a lot and uh, and we both love sandwiches. So we'll probably, right. probably be hitting up a lot of sandwich shops. But so Preston, um, he brought in sandwiches today from a shop called Poma's mm-hmm. in OB. Yep. It's right on. Um, it's right by the pier. It's on the corner of Bacon. And and my dad actually owned a barber shop across the street. It's not there anymore. Um and he he was there in late seventies, and but Poma's been there since nineteen sixty five. Same owners, um, and so which um, is which which I think is cool as shit. Like I think that the, that when you can find a business that's a local business right. that is family owned that has survived this long, you know, like you have to give them props because something they do has got to be right. Yeah, well, I mean, or everything's got to be right to stay stay you know afloat this long, and at the price point. I mean, yeah, yeah. So. So Preston brings these, these sandwiches over. They're probably like 10 inch subs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really, really good. Um, I had the roast beef and the pastrami. Um, and the pastrami. Uh, the pastrami was probably a seven, maybe, mm-hmm. but the roast beef was like a nine and a half. Yeah. And um, I had a torpedo. This is on a scale of one to a hundred. One to, <laughs> one eight, to ten. One to eight and a half. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's, it was really good, and these subs were like $11 or something yeah. like that. And Preston and I actually just had a conversation a few weeks ago talking about how, like, you know, the price of sandwiches have skyrocketed. Yeah. And so, like, the average sandwich now is, like, $15, right. you know? And, right. and sometimes it's for something that's not special at all. Like, it's literally just straight up like a turkey and cheese sub. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, I can name a few places that are ripping you off. Yeah, yeah, but we'll leave that for another podcast, and, you know, it, these will be the places to avoid right so that was it that was the first podcast it got super deep um <laughs> off the bat hopefully some people are listening um we promise not to be that deep in all the episodes yeah it won't always be that deep and and maybe it'll sometimes be deep in subjects that are you know more interesting to some uh, rather than others because again you know parenting is is this all encompassing you know thing that kind of takes over your life and I'm in the thick of it with my kids and, you know, Preston is kind of, he's ahead of me, but you know, ahead of me doesn't mean easier. It just means different. Yeah. Yeah. Equally difficult, but just different. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we'll cover a lot of different things besides parenting. So bear with us. We're still learning this. This is brand new. And so, um, hopefully we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.